Welcome everybody, I'm Sheila. And I'm Amy. We are longtime friends, short-time business owners, part-time gin drinkers, all-the-time karaoke masters, and brand new podcasters. We started this podcast around the idea that everybody has a story, what's yours? Listen in as our friends share their stories on the other side of the mic. Welcome to our eighth episode of The Other Side of the Mic. We are joined by my good friend, Renee Aller-Halligan. Renee grew up in Manhattan and is the eighth of 10 children. She is married to Jared, her high school sweetheart, and they have three children. Listen in as Renee tells her story of losing her parents, battling a mystery illness, living in Minnesota during COVID and the George Floyd riots, and finally coming back home to Kansas to watch her son win a football state championship. Settle in while Renee takes her turn on The Other Side of the Mic. Well, we're here with Renee Aller-Halligan. I knew you first as Renee Gatchett. Yep. But we always start with kind of how we met. And I was thinking about this, and do you remember? I just think it was just through basketball, That's what I thought, in high school? Yeah. Because we played against each other, because you're from Manhattan. Right. I went to Topeka West, so we played against each other there. And then you played on the AAU team we were on together. Yep. With your beloved dad. With Big John. Big John. And how many years did you do that? I don't know. We did that was, two years? I was going to say two. Yeah. Which was, I think, the most fun. I, I had a blast playing on that team. Yeah. It was just well, we had fun because we all had good team. We had a good too. team and it was fun girls. And, yeah. yeah. What was your team name? The Topeka Blues, right? Yeah. It was Topeka Blues. That's back when. Blue um, Umbro shorts, when those were all the rage. Anyways, so yeah, basketball was yeah, how we, that's how we and met. then we went on to um, K-State together, mm-hmm. and we're in the same sorority, right? Pi Beta Phi. But you were only there for two years? Yeah, two, two and a half. Yeah, and then you went, went to, Emporia. to Emporia. That's what mm-hmm. I was telling Amy. Go Hornets. Because she's also, she went to Emporia. Oh, you're on Hornet too? I am. See? You went there, I mean, I think, I think it was for Jared, right? Kind of? Yeah, I think now looking back on it, that was a fair assessment. Right, right. <laughs> Because I was your high yeah. school boyfriend, and now right, you know, I think it definitely was that. But I also was, you know, grew up in Manhattan. Sure, and I was at K State, and I liked K State. I loved it, but I think I was just ready for something new. And even when I was at K State, I don't, I don't think I was really ready to give up sports, and mm-hmm. I did. And yeah. so I just kind of, if it weren't for the sorority, I think I would have like totally lost my marbles because that provided a good anchor. Because yeah. we roomed together right before you uh-huh. left, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then that was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I just think I was super messy. What? Yeah. Anyway, so you went to Emporia, and then how how long until you and Jared got married? Let's see. I was working for a year. Year and a half. So we got married in 97. I graduated in 95. Okay. How's that for math? We took our math earlier. That's pretty math. good, huh? Right. Yeah. But he was in longer. First degree. degree. Yeah. Yeah. When you and Jared got married, I can't remember. Where'd you go? Wichita. So I my first job was in Wichita. What did you do there? I worked for Coke Industries. So. Not a bad gig? Not a bad gig. <laughs> wasn't for me. It wasn't? No. Why not? It just wasn't. Um, not looking back on it, I was like, oh, I kind of jumped ship a little premature, but... I was doing really well, but it was kind of this, it was an industry that at that time didn't have a lot of women and I had no desire to pioneer anything. Just, I want to go to work, do a good job and go home. I didn't want to carry this mantle, but I, I kind of got a vibe that like it was that would have been beneficial. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm not comfortable with that. 
So then I went on and did sales at American Greetings. And then from there to pharmaceutical sales. Yeah. And then got into training and development after that. Which I think suits you perfectly, the training, because I've always felt yeah. like you have always been very smart, very like well put together in terms of your thoughts and your words and and a natural leader. Well, we'll see what happens with this podcast. <laughs> right. Right. Thoughts. There's always editing. <laughs> but, but the leader part, the leadership but, part is what I've always thought. I mean, yeah. you've always held leadership positions yeah. in, in the things that you've done. And it's always come very naturally to you. Yeah. And it's, I was lucky to end up literally falling into that. Now the older, a little bit older, wiser me, you know, when people say, you know, if you have like this natural instinct towards something, you really should pay attention to that. I do think there's really something to that. And I just, I've been doing it, I guess, off that, off and on since 99. The training part. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And, and it's fun to get people out of their element on something that is important to them. So where do you think you get these qualities? And do you think people are born with them because you're one of 10? And where do you fall? So I'm the eighth. The ones who were next to me in age order wise were boys. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's where a lot of it came from because if I wanted to play, it was going to be a sport, mm-hmm. you know, and it was going to be something where I had to really put myself out there, be kind of aggressive because otherwise playtime would be kind of a trap. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. And and I and I loved sports, girl. I still do. Mm-hmm. Like I I love sport and I We'll talk about this later. I love football. And right. I loved football when I was little. I don't know if I got that from my brothers or if it's just that I loved it. And what about your parents? Were they you competitive? Were, no. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think they had any of that in their right. bodies. And I think my dad played football because he grew up in a town where if you're going to do something, that's what you did. But, you know, there was no all-star cast of athletes in our family. But I think it gave us something to do. And I'm sure my mom with 10 kids was like, yeah. Find something to do Find outside. Find something to yeah. get outside. <laughs> get this, all this energy out because I can't have you back in this house. So a lot of us play sports. A good number of my brothers and sisters did not. So there was definitely an art side and an athletic I was going to say, you have a sister side. who's a really good musician. Mm-hmm. So I have another sister who was very good at, well, back then it was painting and then it was clay. And so like right. the creative, creative arts. And my mom was really crafty what's the age range of the there's 20 years between the oldest and the youngest yeah so like yeah my youngest sister i mean i think my oldest sister was gone (laughs) right out of the house she's like who who is this gal (laughs) who came home and no twins or anything no twins i just reread your dad's obituary i say this i hope in the in the way that it's intended which is it's one of the best obituaries I've ever read. So, and I have a great, I have a sister who's really good at writing. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. likes words. And so she wrote that. It ca- captured him really well, I Yeah, thought. it did. It did. Uh, but it talked yeah. about him being pulled away to work for Sam Walton. Yep. Which is kind of cool. Did he know him? Oh, yeah. He did. He knew him really well. He, he had so many stories about Sam Walton. And so we kind of grew up kind of idolizing a guy sure. that I never met. My parents knew him and mm-hmm. he knew my parents and... There's so many stories about just uh, Walmart in general. Mm -hmm. People have written books and things like that. And so we learned a lot about actually my dad and his work and how he ended up through reading about it. I can't remember exactly how he ended up working for Walmart. But when he ended up in Manhattan, it was newer. They needed someone to go in there. And it just worked out that my dad was able to do a good job. And 
But back then, that was also when Sam Walton would go in and, like, look at your store. Mm -hmm. So not every interaction with my dad and Sam Walton was rosy. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Because, you know, there was always accountability um, for everything. So it's not like they hung out, though. Like, we didn't, like, hang out with them. I mean, get that clear. They they knew each other. Colleagues worked together. That kind of thing. That's pretty cool. K-State's a big part of your family. And also religion, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Catholic family. Her brother is a priest, you know, and I think faith journeys for people are obviously unique. You know, you ebb and flow through right. that, you know, I think as we got older, it becomes really important. I was, I always liked it though, when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I always just was enamored by it. I felt a lot of comfort in it without really understanding a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But do you think a lot of it was also a habit? I think, yeah, habit. Just because um, it's what your yeah, well, yeah, did. Yeah, we did. I yeah. mean, and there was no, no missing at all, ever. You know, just watching, my mom was so exceptional that just watching her and the way she, she was not in your face about anything. You know, just watching her and how she embraced her faith, I definitely was able to use that as a role model down mm-hmm. the road. So less yeah. for her, less about words and more about just modeling. Oh, yeah. And I think that's why people liked her so much was she just was a nice good person very generous heart and she is always but she was a nurse you know she had she had that in her but yeah I mean and she could take anyone where they're at and so no judgment and just yeah talk I remember her funeral of course it was absolutely huge well I think too there was it was big but it was also a shock the way it happened so she died in a car accident my dad and her were driving out to Colorado yeah they were going up to Colorado and then the oncoming car slid on some ice and went across the interstate and Mm -hmm. They hit him, and then, so, but she was in the hospital for nine days before she died, so. Where did they fly her to? They flew them both to um, St. Francis in Wichita, so they were both in the hospital. Uh, When tragedy strikes like that, do you find that your family fell into their birth order? Did the people at the top become the leaders, and the middle people are the peacemakers, and how does that go? That's a really good question. I think people assumed roles with what they're good at. Like mm-hmm. in our family, that's kind of been a staple. It's like, well, you're good at this, so you do this. Right. You're good at that, you do that. So what are you good um, at? What was your well, role? Well, mine was kind of, I knew a lot of people because I lived in Wichita at the mm-hmm. time. It was kind of like helping get some logistics done. And everybody had their own experience in terms of my family. Every child, I think, had their own. Sure. Definitely had their own experience with that. When we're all together, even though I'm, like, pretty outgoing, and I can sit and just watch, and then, you know, I can be loud and obnoxious too, but I just kind of take it all in. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think with that time, you know, if you want to hear kind of a weird story, they were at our house over Thanksgiving. I remember when they left, I had the almost sick to my stomach feeling Mm -hmm. and was overcome with this. And I didn't know what it was about. Like, it was totally out of the blue like, something really bad is going to happen. And then I was like, just shake yourself, woman. Like, right. what's wrong with you? Right. <laughs> so I got on with my day and, uh, you know, didn't think anything about it. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in the hospital waiting for them to arrive, I remember just feeling like, this is it. Something big is going to happen here. But I was really quite calm. Later on, I asked a priest about that. And I said, so this happened. And he said, it was an, I've never heard of it before. He goes, oh, those are called signal graces. I was like, well, I didn't know it was a signal at the time, but, but looking back on it, actually took comfort in knowing that I didn't 
feel right about something. So like it was meant to be, it was their time, her time anyway. Was that it the was, only time you've ever felt that? With that magnitude, yeah, yeah. And how long ago was that? That was in 2008. My lived. dad lived. He had a lot of um, like knee problems mm-hmm. and then his dementia started settling in pretty quickly after that. But he lived at home for quite a while before we had to move him to assisted living. And and, and I saw in the obituary, they called it Pierre Manor. Yeah. Because it was Manor, on Pierre on Street. Street and, our house, yeah. And it was yeah. just always open. It was always open and there was always somebody in and out of there and you didn't know who was going to show up for dinner. <laughs> Oh, someone new today. Right. Maybe that's my sister. I don't know. Yeah, right. She wasn't here. Could be a kid. Could right. be somebody. Yeah. No, my parents were always so welcoming. Welcoming of yeah. anybody. Yeah. And your dad just recently passed away. Yeah. So, you know, we'd been up in Minnesota for so long and he was just going downhill. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh. And I was like, you know, I just feel guilty <laughs> being up here. And, and you'd wanted to come home for a while. And I'd been wanting to yeah. come home. I feel like I just needed to come home. And then he died in January, and it was marked as a COVID death. Like, I don't know how he had so many other things, too, sure. but because it happened quick. And I've heard you talk about that as a severe mercy for him. Yeah. And for uh, all of you yeah. to not have to live through dementia right. and what that kind of does to a person right. and their dignity. And- yeah. I think he grew a lot. I mean, having to go through, obviously, losing my mom, but he had this time to kind of soften a little bit and I think he needed that. And so he went through this period of, yeah, I would call it a pretty severe mercy. Life does that to us. You know, we have events that are struggles in our life that kind of temper us in a good way. He was ready, which is nice. Towards the end of his life, he was, he was ready to go. His death obviously was, while sad, wasn't as nearly as overwhelming as my mom. So. Okay, so let's go back to Wichita because I remember getting a hold of you at some point because I heard you were sick. Yeah. We met at a restaurant and I think you walked in and you had a cane. Yeah. Your voice was very, what I like to say, is a very bulbous kind of yeah. like, uh, like you had something yeah. back there. Mm-hmm. And and you were fatigued. And yeah. what, I, what I said to friends after I saw you was like, because I had a grandfather who had ALS and I was like, I think. She has ALS. I think she's going to die. Yeah. Well, I felt like I was going to die. Yeah. I mean, you looked bad. Uh, yeah. And just so you know, most people who saw me at that stage thought the exact same thing. And how old were you? 34. I can imagine you having kids and 34. taking care of them in that it state. It was, you know, talk, we talked about circumstances that soften you. Right. That remains. I mean, my mom's death. Sure. That was a huge blow. But that, hands down the hardest time of my life because I, I came we'll, off from the best time of my life. Like right. I was writing cloud nine and then, and I guess yeah, we'll say you had Lyme life. disease. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's an assumption. That's the other thing about situations that I've learned is going through that is I had to come to a, a piece with not knowing a hundred percent sure what was really going on. So when you say you didn't know what was happening, you ended up going to Mayo. Yeah. What I had just come sentence? back from vacation. So we'd go to Colorado Beer, hiking, yeah. biking, whatever. And I'm not kidding you. I was at my best performance, best weight, best right. activity level. I was so happy. We just moved back from Chicago. Like things were going really well. After we got back, you know, I didn't feel bad, but I didn't feel great. 
And so that was in August. By the time Labor Day came, so just a month later, I was like, I don't feel good. Headaches, just malaise, just really, you know, but not really sleeping that great. And I did. I seriously thought it must be the heat. Right. It must be me. We go back out to Colorado over Labor Day because I wanted, I was like, I think it's the heat. I need to retreat. And I needed another excuse to go out to Colorado. So I, anyway, so we go back, you know, obviously the temperatures are wonderful, but I didn't, I did not feel good. And that was the first time where I really started getting like the brain fog. I remember riding my bike and not having the energy that I had just a month ago and just kind of like, you're living in the world, but you're looking at it from the outside. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it felt like. So then I came back, and then it just kind of got worse and worse and worse. And by November, joints, numbness all over the place. I had lost my voice completely. You know, it'd go from completely lost to, you know, gargly. Kind of... Just weird, mm-hmm. crazy, weird stuff. You know, I went to doctors and didn't know, didn't know. You know, then I was getting mad because it was like, well, you're stressed. Or I'm like, you know what's stressing me out? These conversations. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. At some point, you did have a Lyme test, though, right? Yes. And it came back. It came back negative. negative. And it could have been because I maybe tested too late. And I didn't think anything of it at the time. I remember having, like, this big old nasty-looking what looked like a major big ingrown hair. I'm convinced now that that wasn't an ingrown was hair. A that was yeah. a tick that had just kind of made its way and had been there for a long time. And Because um, you went to Mayo for your throat, right? I went to for, Mayo for because I, when they did, they ran a lot of tests in Wichita and one of them came back. <laughs> this is part of the funny story. Came back that I had an enlarged liver and spleen. And I'm like, forget it. I'm just going to Mayo. We're going to just get this whole thing done all at once. Um, I had some friends who had gone there for like cancer treatments. And mm-hmm. they were raved about it. Like, that's what we're doing. And the doctor at that time said, I think that's a good idea. Literally, we're going to leave that next morning. And I got a call from the doctor saying, that was somebody else's <gasps> test. You're kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> So don't so be worried about yourself. Don't be giving them those uh, <laughs> results right. results because there's nothing there. That's not your oh, That's gosh. not you. So anyway, we went up there. I, I still had this to deal with. Your voice. But my muscles were just, you know, they did. Mayo was unbelievable, by the way. It, the people there are outstanding. It's and a well-oiled machine. It's a well-oiled machine. They have so many people go through there, but you, they somehow make you feel like you're the only person there. Um, and they ran a bunch of tests. And what was great about being there was I, I could just be sick, let the tests be what they are mm-hmm. and whatever. But the throat thing actually ended up being one of the big things they were looking at because the ENT said, hey, first of all, uh, we're going to have to have surgery to fix your throat, which is what they ended up having to do. Usually when I see it like this, you know, if it's a virus or if it's something else, it looks different Mm -hmm. yours is like a perfect symmetry thing which makes us think this is like a neurological something which led to ALS tests and all these other things thank god obviously clearly that did not transpire but we're talking some serious stuff I was never frightened I was just like this is just happening it was crazy do you think because you weren't in kind of your right mind in terms of yeah brain fog yeah and was Jared there with you he was there with me, but then I had a friend that came up there with me too because I wanted him to be with the kids. It was something that I felt like 
I, I was being so well taken care of that yeah. I didn't feel like I needed him right mm-hmm. there. Like I was okay. And you weren't impatient, right? You stayed at a hotel and did testing. And a, yeah. yeah. And we went back and forth, but I had my surgery up there for the throat. So how did yeah. this end up? I mean, I'm so trying to remember. they came back and they, you know, they had a file, 10 pages. <laughs> it seemed like files and files, but that basically said, and this is kind of gets back to being comfortable with not knowing I was totally comfortable with not knowing. I realized is that other people are not comfortable with not knowing. <laughs> they were like, there is something here. And that was the only thing I wanted to know. Tell me that this, there's something. Right. It's not in my mind. Yeah. I was reassured time and time again, like, there is definitely something wrong here. It could be some crazy virus of some sort that we don't know what it is yet. It'll emerge is kind of what we left it with. And fortunately, I had a doctor in Wichita who, and I think, not to brag, but I think they liked me as a patient because I wasn't freaking out and I wasn't demanding answers. I was just doing what I felt like I needed to do to, you know, try to find out what it was. I was really at a point where I'm like, I'm comfortable just not knowing and living with this and just seeing how it all plays out. But like I said, other people Did your symptoms, other symptoms eventually just kind of fade or? They did after I got pregnant. (laughs) It's just a whole nother story, but I still have some, like I, like right now, as I'm talking to you, the left side of my body just still doesn't function to the same ability as my right side. And, um, Did they ever talk about autoimmune? Yeah, they talked about that. There was like, whatever they used, the cortisol levels and stuff like that mm-hmm. to measure that never really tested out. I did have a couple spinal taps. And one thing that did show was there was some slightly elevated proteins brain. I don't know how that works, which would indicate an infection or something. So you never got a diagnosis. So when you do a Lyme test, they only test for certain strains and you have to have so many of those strains. There's a lot of debate about all of that stuff. That was one thing I hated about being sick was I'm like, I don't want a political discussion about a medical right. test. I'm just trying to get through this and no, I'm right. not going to be an advocate. And right. That's just not my <laughs> style. But I ended up having the test done where they test all of the strains and not just 12 or 14. And then it showed I you had did more than it. enough numbers for Lyme disease. For Lyme disease. But then again, that's, you know, in medical debate. It's just like I, in my heart of hearts, I got something from a bug and it just wreaked havoc for a year. It was just a lonely time. It yeah. was really lonely. And that's where I, you know, you talk about. And people get big blows or a thousand pricks. That was a thousand prick sort of situation. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of empathy now for people who are going through. You know me, Sheila, to know that I'm kind of like toughing up. Right. Mm-hmm. right. I kind of have that. You have a soft spot I for do. people who yeah, don't know. Don't who have don't an know. answer. Yeah. And, and I still don't have answers. People, I believe me, I get a lot of people who will call because they're going through similar things. And I don't have an answer for them. Um, I think they think I'm going to have an answer. And I'm like, I don't. The only thing I can do is say, I totally understand what you're going through. Or get pregnant. Or get pregnant. <laughs> because you did get pregnant. So what, what yeah. symptoms started to leave? Well, I could walk. I was going to say, you didn't need your cane anymore. Right. I didn't need my cane anymore. And seriously, I kind of felt like the paralytic jumping out of you know, the Bible story. Because right. I literally could walk. Was it without... balance or was did you weakness? Use the cane? Total weakness. Yeah, weakness. Okay. Yeah. And they would measure it. They would consistently measure it. My doctor in Wichita was so patient and mm-hmm. good. And so he was always measuring my gait. He was the one. It was like, you really need to 
walk with a cane, you'll feel better, you'll have more yeah. energy. And I was like, this is the most embarrassing thing ever. But it did help. Yeah. And, and so uh, my heart rates came down, really? all those things. So it was it was definitely worth doing. I mean, that was the biggest thing was I could walk without assistance. And then you slowly gained strength and you... Right. And, then, and like I said, I've never, and I never will be 100%. The whole and and of my so no. things that help you have a good day are adequate amount of rest. Rest, for sure. Anything else? Exercise. Exercise. Rest and exercise. And if I don't have either of those, I just don't feel good. But... I'm doing much better now. I mean, you wouldn't know I went through all of that. No, you wouldn't. And also, I think anyone who saw you at the time would be like, I can't believe she's alive. Right. That's how I felt. Yeah. It was all good. It's so funny because my kids, you know, Kate, Sarah wasn't born yet, obviously. But Kate and Sean, now that they're older, they, people will come up to me sometimes and say, Oh, did you know that your mom? (laughs) And they're like, what? I'm glad glad I didn't scar them. I know. They must not remember. No, they don't. Kate did a little bit, thus being gone a little bit, but she doesn't remember any of that. Yeah. And thank goodness. Yeah. They didn't. But they used to write the sweetest notes. I mean, they they remember. I mean, they were present with it because I'd be laying in bed and they would come write little pictures and notes. And I mean, it would just break. That broke my heart. So when I hear moms who are sick or moms who are dying and they have little kids, I mean, what they're going through emotionally has got to be, I mean, it was a lot for me. I can't imagine Mm -hmm. people really know what's going to happen to them. The last place you were before you moved to Kansas City was Minneapolis, Minnesota. Talk a little bit about that. So COVID hits, the George Floyd incident happens. What was that like? Was it the sort of thing that you heard about it and you, like, it was on the news immediately? Right. So I heard about it and my kids were like, Mom, you got to see this. Because mm-hmm. it went viral. Like, you could watch what right. happened. So I actually learned from it mm-hmm. through my kids, like, Instagram or texting. I mean, because it was going around everywhere. You know, it was just awful to watch. I mean, the power of video, right? And, of course, like everything, it got political pretty fast. And then I was out in Colorado in the summer when, like, it all went the riot thing happened and that was scary because I don't think anybody felt safe. Where were your kids at the time? Were they in Colorado with you or were they? No, no. They, they were, were at home. So yeah. were you worried about that? Yeah. You know, it went from Minneapolis is a gorgeous city, but then like literally overnight and it's, it hasn't been the same. And it was ravaged by rioting, rioting, looting, looting, violence, fires, and yeah. so since then, they've kind of voted to defund the police, right? Yeah, I don't know what's happening right now, but now they're revisiting it and kind of getting that back on the table of, right. nope, just kidding. We're not going right. to do that. Talk about just the some citizens of the realities there. of Yeah, and the, the people who live in those areas, particularly downtown, are like, we're suffering because of this. I mean, I think carjackings and everything went up 325%. This isn't mm-hmm. like a little bit. It was bad. So, I, you know, the city is still dealing with all of that, and they're going to have to figure that out. I mean, it was a vibrant downtown and super safe. You could walk around there all the time. But after that, you can't and mm-hmm. nor should you. You know, so people weren't going into the offices for COVID reasons. But then after that, people weren't going for safety reasons. For safety. Do you see uh, it coming back, rejuvenating? They want their downtown back because it was so amazing. It yeah. really is a great city. Probably one of the best I would say downtown cities there is. There's plenty to do. 
like I said, you felt really safe. There was a lot going on downtown. People went downtown. So I think people want it back. It's just going to be a matter of time. And I think most people in the business community say it'll never be the same, though, in terms of the way people go back to work. Well, so some of that probably just led to, I mean, COVID, the upheaval in Minneapolis led you to consider a change. Yeah. When COVID came and that started impacting our kids the way that impacted our kids. In terms of sports. In terms of sports, let alone school. Because you're sitting there watching the whole world function differently than the way you're functioning. Right. Because you guys had some different rules and regulations. Yeah, I would say it was pretty heavy on mandates and the way that they brought school and but then it got into the whole sports thing and we're not going to play and this and that. And f- first of all, we realized how blessed and lucky we are to be able to navigate through that. Sure. A lot of people, you're stuck with what you're stuck with. When that happened, going back to me being a sports junkie, mm. you know, that was like, you just poked the bear. Right. And, <laughs> and now we're moving. And mama, <laughs> mama bear came out. And well, because Sean had aspirations of playing at the college level, right? Yeah. So this was an important year right. for him right. to play. And, and when you see them work, he was working hard, mm-hmm. really, really hard. And then to just have the, you are playing, you're not playing, you're this, you're that, and then just kind of, he's a really even-keeled young man. So it was hard to kind of tell really what way he was feeling, but you could sense, I mean, it was stressful. They're like, okay, so now we're going to have a season, but then you felt like any second, which was, I think, most places... It could be pulled out from underneath mm-hmm. you. So they had kind of this six-game season, and then they didn't get to play their last game because somebody had COVID, and, you know, it was just over. So that was kind of a bummer. And I just got to a point where I'm like, if you want something to change, you're going to have to change it yourself. I was like, I'm done with this. We talked to Sean. Do you want to go to, back to Kansas? Because he's always been a Kansas kid anyway. Right. Huge K-State fan, Huge right? Huge K-State fan. He was like, yeah, but, you know, like... I don't want to put you guys out or anything. <laughs> Go buy a house. And I'm like, oh, Sean, you're not. Trust me. Right. So one thing led to another. But before we're making this decision, I'm literally in my bedroom and I got a little recliner there and I'm praying going, God, please, I need to talk to somebody about this. And I need to talk to somebody that's objective, that would understand my situation. You know, I started giving all the conditions. <laughs> I said, I kind of a doubter, but I was like, he's got to answer this one because, and usually I throw up prayers going, yeah, that's not going to do anything. You know, that's kind of my doubt. But I, that has since changed big time through all of this. I was like, I know, just please help me here. I am desperate. I do not know what to do. Literally five minutes later, it pops into my head to call my old high school basketball coach who's in Kansas City, who has had kids go through sports who I knew would understand my situation, who would be objective, who could say, you're crazy woman, or, mm-hmm. you know. This and, is a possibility. Yeah, and I haven't seen her, and I thought about like a reunion like a year and a half before that. But it's not like we talk all the time, but we have enough of a relationship that I could make that call. And I did, and she just asked a lot of great questions and kind of helped me think about, is this something that we really want to do? And and she's at Mill Valley, right? And she's at Mill Valley. I'm thinking we are going back to Wichita, Kansas. My friends are there. That's where we're going. We'll have more support there. That's what I'm thinking the entire time. Now, I didn't think at all about the extra time it would take for 
us to go back and forth to Minnesota right. and think about any of that. And so she kind of like, why, why would you do that? <laughs> she was asking me questions like logistically that makes zero sense. And I was like, okay, yeah. And so she said, you know, have you ever thought about Mill Valley? And I go, I know nothing about Mill Valley. I, you know, I was like, well, no, not really. <laughs> not, not not thinking that at all. That. You know, Shawnee's like, you just jump on the highway, you're close to Manhattan, we're there quickly if we need to be. and um, Close to the airport. Close to, to the to, airport. Yeah. You're just, it's a great location. So I was like, well, I guess I'll, you know, noodle on that. And um, she goes, I think you would really, really like it. So I had asked Sean, you know, these are maybe some options that we could talk about. He said that he would like to go there, which blew my mind. A few days later, Jared and Sean just happened to be coming to a K-State football game that weekend. They're at the game. And so I t- called Jared. I go, well, why don't you have him swing by? about I don't know where the heck it is I don't know <laughs> look on the map it's like it's it, but it looks like it's really close and so you should be able to and so you know my basketball coach met him and showed him outside you know to some basic things and Sean really liked her and he came home and he was like I really want to go there by the way their football program is one thing but I have to tell you that that coach is amazing and what he does to develop those guys as men. I've gotten more thank you notes as a mom because of this man's influence. And so before the state championship game, he wrote me this note that just, Jared and I know that just said, thank you for trusting me. I really wanted to do this. Thank you for trusting me. And and so it was kind of a lesson. It's like, I guess I should, you know, listen to your kids Mm -hmm. and what they're saying. But we, you can now say, and not many of us can, that you have birthed a state Champion. Champion. Yes, we have. It was. So, what was uh, that like? It was amazing. We were telling Sean just going to a state championship is amazing. I said, but think about it. Think of all the games from Little League to this thing to that thing. How many opportunities you actually have to play in a championship? Not many. Not many. The, the stars have to align in a lot of things. Yeah, it's yeah. super, super rare. And so, to just get the opportunity to have that experience, mm-hmm. let alone have the Mill Valley experience is well, and quite also, something. I mean, they just won back-to-back, right? Back-to-back-to-back. So the fact that, oh, back oh, three? Wow. Three back. He has won five state championships in seven years. Holy cow. I think he's won every time he's gone, this coach. He's an exceptional human being. Like, he's a good man. What do you think makes the difference? And He cares. About the boys? About the kids. He's a competitor. Mm-hmm. He spends a ton of time the amount of time and sacrifice that they all of those coaches put in and there's not a single kid who goes i don't like that coach or i don't like this assistant coach right they love their coaching staff and i think it's because they run such a good program in terms of the regimen and how they approach things they're lots very of detailed discipline. lots of discipline he expects things out of the kids, you raise the expectation level, they'll rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot, has a lot to do with it. I mean, the boys are, I think they know, like, you, you don't mess with the guy. And I mean that in a good way, but they, you wouldn't want to let him down. You wouldn't, right. it's all of that. Ton of respect. For Ton him. of respect. And the parents respect him. I think that's the other thing. There's nothing feeding off parents to the kids 
about negatively about a coach. So there's no scapegoating anybody, but you know, he's earned that. And I, I did get an opportunity to tell him this after the game. I don't think people understand to be successful like that, how much time it really, really takes. It's amazing what they do. And yeah. so it's not by chance that they're winning. The state championship was amazing. But I think just watching the, the discipline and hard work that was instilled, you know, Sean will take that with him forever. So hindsight, it was a good move. Hindsight, it was it was a good move. And it would have been a good mood, state championship or not. And so this really kind of was just a leap of faith. It was a total leap of faith. Okay, Renee, we like to end our podcast with 13 questions. Okay. Number one, sweet or savory? Savory. Your favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. Your dream vacation? Hmm. Walking the Camino. (gasps) I think that would have to be it. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good one. Your can't live without beauty product. (laughs) Well, as you can see, I'm not... (laughs) Some people laugh at this one. (laughs) You can see, like, there's a lot that I I have to have. Is facial cream, like, a beauty product? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't like having a dry face. If it was makeup, I'd probably be mascara. Yeah. I always kind of laugh that that's one of our questions. Yeah. Right. Coke or Pepsi? The sugar or the diet? Because it's too different. What, what, so, what's your favorite? Diet Pepsi, regular Coke. Really? Yeah. That's a unique answer. So you can go anywhere, any restaurant. I'm versa- you know, I'm flexible. Must be my upbringing. What do you keep on your bedside table? That's so funny you ask that because I looked at my bedside table today and went... Can you have any more <laughs> stuff. stuff on your bedside table? <laughs> All right, we'll start naming. Lamp, readers, a book, sleep aid if I need one. Water, oh, a glass of water. That's it. But it's full. It's like a little table and there's too much on it. What was your first job? Outside of babysitting, I would say my first job was working at the Manhattan City Pool. I worked in the concession stand and then I worked as the person who took money and did the baskets and stuff at the city pool who was your favorite teacher and why okay so that's really hard because i had a lot of favorite teachers and i totally am one of these people who put teachers on a pedestal i still write thank you notes to them that's so nice okay well then let's do this who was the last person you wrote a thank you note to mrs mckinley she was my second and third grade teacher what did you thank her for just for being a great teacher mrs frost she was my english teacher in eighth grade she was amazing Coach yeah. Betsy, yeah. Betsy Sloan, Betsy Meeks, definitely ranked up there. Dr. Pimple Popper, thumbs up or thumbs oh down? Oh my gosh. Okay. I think I could get him a thumbs up. It is crazy. Mesmerizing. It is mesmerizing. <laughs> okay. It's definitely a thumbs up because I was watching this with a friend of mine who had come to visit. I think we had some wine while we were watching Dr. Mm-hmm. Pimple Popper. <laughs> So it was extra funny. Wow. <laughs> right. And we ordered those things. Comedones. Yeah. Uh, and I've never used it, but I'm like, well, it just looks so easy. You but need high school kids around. You need willing <laughs> participants. I was going to say, it only lasts for so long. Yeah. And they're done. So I have one of those things. and just You're just waiting for the moment <laughs> to use it. <laughs> what was your first car? A white Ford Escort that did yes. not have air conditioning and only an AM radio. Did mm-hmm. your your family just pass the car down? No, um, I that was one that I got. Like, did you have to buy it yourself? No, my dad bought it, which meant he got to pick it out, which is why it had an AM radio. <laughs> 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 was it a stick shift? It was a stick shift. Yes, yeah. I miss stick shifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the thrill of being on a hill. Yes, thinking, I got to get this. Just <laughs> yes, right. book or binge? 
So these days, I think I'm going to go binge. It mm-hmm. used to be books. Do sure. you think we've lost our like ability yes. to... I have. Yeah. I don't know if we have as a culture, but I know I have. Your favorite genre of music? Country. Last question. KU or K-State? <laughs> K-State. It's like a softball. <laughs> but that's a nice, easy one. I do have an appreciation for the University of Kansas. But, oh, yeah. baby. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and a special thank you to Renee. Check out our show notes and links to articles on Lyme disease, Mill Valley's Football State Championship, and Frank Gatchett's exceptionally well-written obituary. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening platforms. We'll see you on the other side of the mic. This podcast is generously sponsored by Birdie Boo. If you're having a party and you want it to be fun, you need Birdie Boo. Check us out at birdiebooth.com for all of your photo booth needs and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.